Good morning. Okay, how many runners did you hit? <laughs> Be honest. Oh, Charlotte says zero. I cannot say the same myself. No, hopefully you made it in uh, unscathed, and so did the marathoners this morning. It is such a privilege and an honor to have every single one of you here today who made it. We are so grateful to have you here for worship. I just have one brief announcement, and that is that the bakery class continues in the bakery district, 10 a.m. Wednesdays, if you would like to attend. Uh, last week, we uh, talked a little bit about the Protestant Reformation and what it meant for uh, Christian history and for church belief. And then this week, we're going to talk a little bit about what's called the Counter-Reformation, which is what the Roman Catholic Church reformed within itself. Uh, over the years. So that'll be 10 a.m. Wednesday if you'd like to attend. We'd love to have you. Uh, you made it unscathed. And so now let's take a moment in prayer and an offering of music as we prepare our hearts for the worship of Almighty God. call to worship this morning is Galatians chapter 5 verses 22 to 25. By contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also be guided by the Spirit. 
Let us pray. Great and holy and merciful God, we pray for the presence of your Holy Spirit here in our midst, that during this time of worship we would be renewed in our relationship with you and with one another, our brothers and sisters in Christ. Help us during this time to set aside all distractions which pull us away from you and away from one another, and help us to experience fully your love and grace and peace as we reflect those same things in our lives. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. And now let's stand for our first remain standing and join me in confessing our sins before God and one another. There is a prayer printed in our bulletins. Let us pray. Eternal God, 
In you we live and move and have our being. But in our sin, your presence is hidden from us and we become blind to your mercy. We confess that we often race ahead in that blindness, running in every direction except toward you. Deliver us, we pray, of our pride, our vanity, and self-indulgence. Help us draw near to you again, finding in you our refuge and strength, purpose and goal. We offer this prayer in your Son Jesus' name. Amen. My brothers and sisters, in the waters of our baptism, we were claimed once and for all by Jesus Christ. These waters remind us that no matter what we do, no matter what we have left undone, there is nothing in all creation that can separate us from the love of God through Christ Jesus the Lord. My friends, know that you are a forgiven people and be people of peace. And let's sing in response to God's glory. Please be seated. Let us pray. Lord, your word is a lamp to our feet. Your word is a light on our path. We pray that as we hear your word read and proclaimed this day, that it would light our way a bit further. Help us step by step to follow you. It is in your name that we offer this prayer. Amen. We are continuing in our series on the Christian virtues, on reset for our lives, and today's virtue is temperance, which is a pretty old-fashioned word, and so I'm going to refer to it throughout the sermon as self-control. It's a very similar idea that temperance means, self-control. So as we read some scriptures, we do not often read from the book of Proverbs, teach or preach on it because it's these quick snippets of wisdom, Uh, but I want to read a handful for you this morning that have to do with self-control. One who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and one whose temper is controlled than one who captures a city. Do not swerve to the right or to the left, turn your foot away from evil. Fools show their anger at once, but the prudent ignore an insult. Ah, That's a good one. And finally, like a city breached without walls is one who lacks self-control. 
And now from this first letter that Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. As Paul thinks about self-control, he gives them this image. He says, do you not know that in a race, the runners all compete, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win it. Athletes exercise self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable one. So I do not run aimlessly, nor do I box as though beating the air, but I punish my body and enslave it, so that after proclaiming to others, I myself should not be disqualified. This is the word of the Lord. You know, I said uh, mostly in jest this morning at the announcement time, mostly in jest, you know, how many runners did you hit on your way here? And, of course, I am teasing. But if you look up the race that's happening this morning, those runners started out at 7 a.m. this morning, some of them earlier, I would guess. The race began at UAFS and then headed east. As near as I can tell, it went right through the Wallace's living room. They handed them a Capri Sun along the way, and then they headed south, all the way to Bingaran Park, then back west and north to run right past us here, only to then end back at UAFS. 26.2 miles, the full marathoners, will race this morning. And I wonder how long they have been training for it. Now, the average runner trains for four to five months for a full marathon, but if it were me, it would be four or five years, or four or five decades. You know, how long have these runners been training for this morning, for this very moment? What determination they have had to get this far, and the self-control that they have developed to focus for that long and that hard, it is a marvel to consider. Now, it's also a marvel when you look at the map of the race they are running and you realize that right around the mile 20, 20 miles in, they are supposed to veer left to finish off those last 6.2 miles. But just to the right, if they would just go right slightly, they would hit the yellow umbrella hamburger stand. <laughs> I mean, the self-control to take the left rather than the right. Now that is a marvel in itself, but they will. I will stand and declare to you with 100% certainty that every single one of those runners will see the yellow umbrella. Some of them might even smell burgers cooking and every single one of them will go left instead. Every single one. And they will do it for a race-themed t-shirt. They will do it for a time that they can tell their friends that they beat. They will do it so they can have that sticker on their car that says 26.2. And they will do it because they've worked too hard to lose their way now. That's why they'll do it. When we think about those runners and that race, and we think about the Apostle Paul, we know one thing about him. We know he must have been a sports fan. 
Either that or he knew all of his congregations were avid sports fans because in many of his letters he references sports. He references running and wrestling and boxing. And he does it also here in this letter to the church at Corinth. And however much Paul was into sports, he knew for certain that the members of that Corinthian church were avid sports fans. Because there was, in the city of Corinth, a sports festival that was hosted every other spring. It was a rival to the Olympic Games. It was called the Isthmian Games. And participants came from all over the region to wrestle and to box and to race chariots and to do something or other called the pancreton. And that was only eight miles from the church. So he knew that if he mentioned wrestling and boxing and a wreath as a prize, he knew that they would sit up and they would listen. It would be as if I mentioned the Super Bowl in March Madness all in one sentence. You all of a sudden, you got off your phone. You said, what is this about? But Paul mentions it for another reason, too. He talks about sport because he says it's a good metaphor for the Christian life. He says, we are on this path here in this life, and this path has a finish line. And when we reach it, we don't want to find out that we missed our goal. We're on this race. We don't want to look back and realize that, as Paul puts it, that I've been boxing as though beating at air. I don't want to just have been beating at air this whole time. We want to run the race we are given so that we can win it. We don't want to run it in a way where we lose sight of the destination right around mile 20. (laughs) And we turn right instead of left. Paul says that to run well, the only race that matters, it takes self-control. And I think when we think about self-control, we put self-control in one of two buckets. The first bucket where it seems like we put self-control is this idea of sport, of elite athletes. We see someone who has so honed their body that they make every shot across that net. They run faster than anyone else. They lift the heaviest weight. And we see the self-control they have imposed upon their lives to be such a physical specimen to be such a powerful machine, and we look at them and we say, they have such self-control. And then the other bucket are the people who've hit rock bottom. They're the ones we think of alcoholism or drugs or other addictions and, and how now that that addiction has taken everything from you, That person is forced to learn self-control, to work the steps, to take one day at a time, to always be mindful and controlled. We look at them and we think they need self-control. But this is not a Christian virtue that is just for the elite physical specimen or the person who has hit rock bottom. It's not a virtue just for those who need it most obviously. It's a virtue for all of us. We all need some self-control. Even if some of us would have a more obvious need, 
all of us, Paul says, are to be mindful of anything that would take us off the track of the race we want to run. Each of us has places in our own lives where we are boxing at air, where we are running in vain, where we know we should go left and we go right instead. And some of those efforts in vain are fine. That's life. Some of the wasted hours or opportunity or energy is fine. That's life. But not if it keeps you from the destination. We practice self-control. It is a virtue of ours because of the ways it would keep us from following Jesus. In those particular ways that keep us from the race to follow Jesus, that's where we practice it. That's where we make every endeavor. So if an addiction is going to have us lose our way home, then we strive every single day to control it. And if for you it's something more like gossip or gambling or greed or bitterness, whatever it is that would keep you from home, that would have you lose that destination, then you strive every single day to control it. We have come too far. To veer off course now. We have run for too long to miss our destination. And so we train and we hone our spiritual selves and we persevere so that we can run to win. Paul gives the analogy because he is doing everything he can to try to help us begin to understand how important the effort is, how worth it it is. And when I hear him talking about wrestling and boxing and running, trying his best to pinpoint what he's really trying to tell us, I can only think one thing. I think to myself, oh, Paul, I wish you had known about bobsledding. That's what I said. I wish Paul had known about bobsledding. See, Paul didn't know a single thing about a team sport. He didn't know team sports existed. Now, I will just tell you, so you sound smart later on today to someone you talk to, the very first team sport ever in the world was polo. And it had been invented by Paul's time, but in India. So he knows nothing of it. No one he's talking to knows anything of it. All he knows is about a solo effort, a runner on a race, a boxer in the ring. But Paul could have used knowing about bobsledding. Because that's what he's trying to describe here about self-control. The whole reason he's doing this control in his own life is not just so he will reach the destination, not just so he will win the prize, it is so his actions will not cause anyone else to fall as they run. He runs so that everyone can get in the sled. <laughs> he hones his spiritual self so that everybody will fit in there. This is how bobsledding comes in. I promise 
it links. Earlier in the chapter, Paul lays out what he's determined to control about himself this time. He says he's doing it not because the activity gets him in trouble, not even because he thinks it's such a bad thing, but he says he's going to control himself so that when another follower of Christ sees him, they won't be harmed. Whatever it takes for that follower to not stumble in their race, Paul says, that's what I'm going to do. And in this particular case, he says he won't eat meat. We're all the way back to the hamburger stand. In Corinth, where he's writing to, the meat in the marketplaces had first been given as an offering at the pagan temples. And Paul knows that, and the church knows that, and Paul knows he can eat that meat if he wants to. He knows he can handle it. It's not a problem at all. But he says, if anyone seeing me eat pagan sacrificed meat is going to cause them to stumble in their faith, then I won't do it. He will control himself so that the whole team makes it to the goal. If they don't make it to the finish line, then neither does he. Now, the purpose and the goal and the point of it all become clear. The race that we are running is not an individual sport. And it is not a competition. We run this route together. We live in such a way so that we don't get lost, and we live in such a way so that our fellow runners don't either. It's a big event. We've been training for it for a long time now. So we don't give up. We control ourselves, not just for ourselves, but we run this way for the team. Amen. Just a couple of things to share before we get underway with our prayers. Our good friend Paige McCain, there's Paige right there, wave Paige. There's Paige. Paige is moving along. Paige has been with us for, uh, what, almost two years, Paige. She's preached here multiple times. Paige will uh, be moving to Tacoma, Washington. She will be the youth pastor at New Day Church uh, very soon. So this is her last uh, Sunday here in Fort Smith. So Paige, we send you out with Godspeed, and thank you for preaching for us and worshiping with us during your time here. That is high praise. They almost never clap for anything. <laughs> uh, also, uh, certainly please be keeping in your prayers the family of Harry Chamberlain. We uh, commended Harry into the eternal care of Christ uh, just yesterday. Certainly uh, all of us who know Harry uh, will miss him, and I know that you'll want to be praying for his brothers uh, and his nieces and nephews over the coming uh, days ahead. So let's remember Harry as well in our prayers. With those things in mind, please join me in prayer. 
great and holy and merciful God, we gather this day in the sure and certain hope of the presence and power of Jesus Christ in our lives. And it is that power which we call upon today, the power which helps us to shape areas of our lives which otherwise would be outside of our control, to shape areas of our lives where our behaviors, our desires, our goals, our ambitions draw us away from the race which has been lain before us, draw us away from the team, the brothers and sisters of which we are a part. We call on the power of Christ and we name now in silent prayer those areas of our own lives where we are in need of temperance, of self-control, of restraint. It is with expectant hope that we hand these areas of our lives over to you once more and we ask for your grace and your strength and your power. During our time of worship, as we entered into these doors, we carried with us many, many things. We carried with us concerns about the world in which we live, fears and worries for places torn apart by violence, by natural disaster, by poverty, and by war. We ask for your presence and your grace and your healing in the places in our world which are the most broken. And we commend those areas to you now through our silent prayer. We are mindful as well of those who are in need of your healing touch, those who are ill or who are sick or who are mourning. We thank you today for our brother Harry, and once more we commend him into the eternal care of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And we take this moment to offer our prayers aloud or in our hearts for particular people and situations. We thank you this day for Paige and for the gifts you have given her, and we ask that you would bless her in her new call and in her new work and in her new life. Please be with her in her travels and be with all those who seek to serve you in this world. We are grateful for all those who use their gifts to show your love, to testify to your word, and we're grateful for the many areas in our lives which you have touched and blessed areas of our lives where we experience love, where we are able to cherish peace, where we are able to do good work to honor and glorify you, and we take this moment to offer our prayers of gratitude to you this day. Holy God, we offer you all of these prayers in the sure and certain hope of Jesus Christ who taught us to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. My friends, I invite you now to receive this offering of music.
us pray. Holy God, we thank you for the many gifts and blessings you've bestowed upon us. We return our humble tithes and offerings to you, that they may be used for your glory in this place and throughout your world. In Jesus' name, amen. Now let's sing our final hymn. We're going to sing it twice, two times. As you go out, I send you with the prophet Micah's charge when he says, What does the Lord require of you? But to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. May the Lord bless you on this day and may the Lord give you his peace and may the Lord be with you this day and forevermore. Amen. The peace of Christ be with you. Also with you. Please greet one another in his name.